Okay, let's get into the word. You ready, AV team? We're going to finish off this teaching series. We'll bring up the slides now called Upgrade. And uh, here we go. We've been, this is our fourth Sunday, our Upgrade, and we're going to finish today. Next Sunday, we're blessed with uh, Julie Bailey. She's going to be preaching the word of God next Sunday, so we're going to be blessed with that. And then that finishes winter, and then we go into beautiful springtime, and I can't wait for that. So a lot of great things ahead. I think the first Sunday of September is our Father's Day event, which is going to be great. We're putting on a great uh, service for all the dads. So invite your dads, uncles, and brothers, or whoever along. All right. Um, I want to jump straight into this. Is that all right? Let's have a look at this first slide. We looked at different types of characteristics of being a warrior and activating the warrior spirit in our lives. Uh, we looked at a couple of scriptures and I want to touch on this key thing around warriors are passionate. This is what I want to finish on today. Warriors are passionate. We looked at all different types of scriptures to highlight that, that God is a warrior, that we worship a God who's a fighter. He's confident. He loves victory. In fact, in the good way, he's very competitive. He, he's, he's jealous of us. He wants the best for us. He will fight for us because we are his family. He's paid the ultimate price for us. So because he's invested the ultimate price, he really wants the best for us. And so he is a fighter. And because we're made in his image, we're also called to activate that part of our godly identity that we are warriors. And we're called not in our own strength, but to take on the very strength and the power. Prophet Greg talked about it this morning, dunamis power to be activated within us, which causes us to overcome things that we couldn't overcome in our own strength. And a part of the warrior identity is that warriors are passionate. Everyone say passionate. The, the godly warrior is consumed or becomes consumed with passion. And Jesus was a great example of this. So let's go straight to the example of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is an ob obvious example, and he knew exactly what he was here for. We know that he talked about, and he, he revealed in the scriptures, that he was called uh, to bind the brokenhearted. Uh, he was passionate about proclaiming freedom to the captives. He was passionate about bringing a release of prisoners, spiritual prisoners, to expand the kingdom of God, to bring people out of darkness who are blind to the truth and bring them into the light. He was a passionate about the fact that the enemy actually has a plan to destroy the works of God. And he was passionate. He had zeal to want to directly confront that and to overcome it and to defeat it. Uh, that, that he would, he, you know, the scriptures talk about that the enemy actually comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you look at those three words, they're not faint words. They're not passive words. If the enemy in our lives spiritually is not passive, guess what? As spiritual warriors, we also are called not to be passive. We have to be aggressive. We have to be assertive. We've already won the victory, but if we don't position ourselves and posture ourselves uh, spiritually in the way that God's called us to, then even though uh, the Bible says that we've already won the victory, we may not walk in the victory because we haven't positioned ourselves the right way. And so Jesus was passionate about these truths. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I mean, to say those words, he said them with passion. He said them with zeal. He said them with intent. 
He said them deliberately. He said them with a sense of conviction. He said them with a sense of confidence. When you look at the epic movies of Mel Gibson on the horse of the, of the movie Braveheart, and he's on the horse and he's rallying, he's going from one end to the other end with the men in front of him before uh, the, their enemy, and he's looking down on the hill where the enemy is surrounding, and, and they've been intimidating, and they've been saying to the Scots that they're going to uh, overcome their kingdom, and the Scottish identity is going to be wiped out. The, the carriage of Mel Gibson is on that horse, and he's going from side to side, and he's eyeballing the men with confidence and passion and zeal, and he's intentionally firing them up. He's intentionally uh, birthing courage on the inside of them, and he's saying, come on, we are called to fight. If we don't take this land, then we're going to die. So we're either going to die anyway, or we're going to fight. What do you want to do? And he was kind of causing them, not kind of, he was. He was causing them to say, come on, this is part of your destiny. This is part of who you are. Let's rally together. Let's get passionate for the fight ahead. And so this is what warriors do. They actually have to get passionate. They have to stir up the zeal on the inside of them in order to position themselves to be able to fight. Even Jesus himself, he had to go and pray. He had to have time with his father by himself. Before he went to the cross, there's a famous time uh, where he was there the night before and he had to actually pray. He had to set himself apart from the disciples to actually spend time with the Lord to get that zeal, to get that passion, to get that sense because he was overcome with a sense of anguish at times in his own manhood, but because the God within him, he was also God, God, the, the Father helped him to strengthen him. But what's even interesting is that on the cross, that the Father had to separate himself from Jesus, and he had to be disconnected from that sense. So that was a complete separation. So Jesus himself even knows what it's like to be separated from the power of God, from the presence of God. And in that moment, when Jesus was actually separated, his body broke and his blood was shed. He actually, the outcome of him being separated by the fighting protection of the Father was that his mortal body died. So the Jesus that we worship intentionally knows what is it like to try to live this life, to try to fight within your own strength. Think about this. Christ himself is an example of what it was like, that his body was actually broken because the presence of God left him. He had to be separated. He actually had to feel what was the consequences of man's sin, that the Father actually had to leave him, the power of God had to leave him, the presence of God had to leave him, the support, the protection, the partnership, the unity of the fatherhood had to leave him on the cross, and that's what caused the death and destruction. But then obviously we know the good news that God, uh, the Spirit of God within him actually restored him, that the Father helped him to be restored and, and helped him to beat uh, death and helped him to overcome uh, the, 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 the sting of sin because he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Someone give God some praise for that. But what it says is that in two ways, Jesus knows how important it is to be a warrior. The one, he, he knows what it is to be filled with the power of God. To be filled that when he w was walking in miracles, when he was casting out demons, when he was speaking to the religious uh, sp uh, spirits and the religious people and uh, directly uh, coming against their intimidation and calling them out and taking authority and he was speaking right to them. When he was actually talking to things, he'd say, Lazarus, come forth from the grave. And he brought someone from death back into life because of that authority, that, that warrior spirit. But he also understands what is it like? What does it feel like to actually live without the presence of God? In that moment on the cross, when the Father left him, something would have directly shifted. 
his body would have felt it, his emotions would have felt it, his spirit would have felt this anguish feeling of being so isolated alone. And so God says this to you afresh, because Jesus has paid the price, because my son has paid the price for you, this is your hour, this is your time to grab a hold of and embrace how important is it for you to embrace your identity as a warrior. You are called to be a warrior and you are called to be passionate for me, says God. You're called to be passionate for my kingdom. Jesus said, this is who I am. I'm here to do the Father's work, nothing else. He was passionate. He was passionate specifically for the house of God. Did you know that? Do you know Jesus was passionate about the house of God? Does anyone here know that? In some part of scripture, he says that, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you think that that sounds like a fighting statement? Come on now. It's not like he just had a little massage in Carindale Shopping Center and woke up and go, I'm here to build my church and the gates of hell will not fight against it. You know when you wake up from massage and you're kind of like, hmm, where am I? What time is it? Right? No, it was intentional. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Fighting words. But Jesus was passionate about the house of God. Jesus came upon the house of God one day, and his inner warrior rose up at what he saw. The scriptures talk about in John 2, 15, 17. I'll read from here from the message translation today. John 2, 15, 17. Uh, Jesus put together a whip out of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple. I love this. Just go there in your mind. Come on. So he didn't, he didn't just kind of, you know, oh, there's a whip randomly there. I'll just pick it up and have a bit of a go. No, Jesus put together a whip. He built the whip. So while he's not whipping people, he's thinking about how he's going to whip the people. <laughs> right? Intent. Deliberate. Not just, he's not just reacting out of emotion. This is not Jesus, watch this now. This is not Jesus with fleshly anger. Oh, no, 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 no. This is Jesus with righteous pursuit. He was intentional. He was jealous. He had conviction for the things of God, and they weren't being resembled well, and it fired him up. Jesus put together a whip out of strips of leather <laughs> and chased them out of the temple. I love this stampeding the sheep and cattle. Are you, are you hearing me? Upending the tables of the lone sharks. You know, the Bible clearly says that, that, that you know, God doesn't like debt because it enslaves people. I've done a whole teaching series around stewarding money well and understanding that. And that's a whole other discussion. But upending the tables of the lone sharks spilling coins left and right. He told the dove merchants, get your things out of here, exclamation mark. Stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall, exclamation, exclamation mark. Now listen to this last bit. So all of this takes place, and then the disciples reflect on what they've just observed. They've just seen Jesus deliberately grabbing strips of leather, putting together this whip, then starting to chase people out of the temple with it, cracking it, whoosh, turning over tables, 
throwing the coins, declaring that this is not cool and I'm not happy and I'm taking it on confronting this. And then that's when it says the scriptures, that's when, everyone say when, that's when his disciples remembered the scripture. Zeal for your house consumes me. When was the last time that zeal for the house of God consumed you? When was the last time? Let me, let me encourage you. I can tell you when it wasn't the last time. It wouldn't have been when you're not full of God. See, when you try to feel passionate about the house of God, the things of God, the kingdom of God, in your own strength, guess what? It ain't going to happen. That's called religion. Come on. That's called striving. That's called boredom. That's called wearing the mask. Doing things in the house of God just because we're ticking the duty box. Everyone say boring. Everyone say lifeless. Everyone say powerless. Everyone say religion. No. You're going to be, you're going to have zeal for the house of God, for the principles of God, for the purposes of God, for the kingdom of God, for the word of God, for the spirit of God, for the work of God, for the promises of God, for the fruit of God, for the glory of God. You're going to have zeal for the, the things of God when you are filled with God. Funny that. So let me help you out. If you've been wondering, oh, really struggling to kind of, you know, be on fire to, you know, turn up to kids' church. If you don't do it in your own strength, because guess what? It's never going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. If you're waiting to get excited about the things of God in your own strength, it ain't going to happen. You've got to get happening with God. You've got to spend time with God. That's when his disciples, remem they remembered. Oh, remembered. They remembered. They remembered. They got a fresh revelation. They had a fresh understanding. It opened their mind up. They remembered. The zeal for your house consumes me. We're called to have zeal for the house of God. Because we first have zeal for God. Jesus did not become a quitting warrior or a passive warrior. He did not throw up his hands and quit. Every time he got low in energy, he got low in, in fire, in passion, in, in a sense of power, in a sense of zeal, he went and spent time with the Father. That right there is the example that you and I need to mirror. We need to look at that, right? Whenever you feel low in energy, for the things of God, you feel lethargic, you feel apathetic, you feel someone. You need to go and spend time with your father, your spiritual father. You need to have a pit stop. You need to fuel up because your tank is empty. We get all this. But we want to link it to something else today. No, he didn't quit, he stayed on mission. He drew a line in the sand and said, no more. I'm going to do this. There is a warrior inside of you that was created with a cause to fight for. 
if you lose revelation of the cause, guess what? You're going to lose revelation of the passion to fight. You're going to grow tired. You've got to protect the revelation of the cause of Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means the gates of hell are attacking us. And so we need warriors to partner with Jesus to do the works of God so that the house of God can be what it's called to be. I believe some of you need to say no more to the enemy. I believe some of you today, as we finish this teaching series, that God is encouraging you to draw a line in the sand. No more. Complacency, no more. Apathy, no more. Just sitting on the peripheral of the things of God, no more. Putting my trust in money, no more. Putting my trust in that promotion. God may give you the promotion, but you put your trust in God, not the promotion. Putting my, putting my trust in, if that relationship repairs itself, then I'll feel whole. No, you put your trust in God. Because that relationship may actually never become whole. And maybe that's part of God's plan. Maybe He's cutting some things off. Sometimes we try to set out the plan and we say, God, now buy into it. No, God says, buy into me and then I'll set out your plan. You buy into me, says God. Don't you try to work out your own little human plan and get, get me to buy into that? Because maybe I've got something way better than, you, better than that for you. You buy into me. You buy into me, says God. I want to tell you right now, there's an acceleration. There's an acceleration of the Spirit of God because God is actually stepping up His own warrior battle plan Himself. Because the enemy is trying to destroy the revelation of how amazing it is to actually be a warrior for God. He's causing people, the enemy's trying to cause people to be distracted, to put their faith in other things, not in the things of God. And so God said no more. Jesus said no more in that example. He drew the lines. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, we've been looking at the scripture. For a wide door for effective work has opened up to me and there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. We looked at the fact that God is opening up new things, but we have to be willing to fight. And so we want to, today, I want to do a couple of things. Let's go to this next scripture. Next slide, sorry. Who wants a battle plan? Three of you. We might need to serve pizza a little bit early. You guys can go and I'll just release the battle plan to the three of you. <laughs> Trust me, the battle plan is not in the pizza. <laughs> Who wants a battle plan? Okay. Right now, I'm going to share with you a battle plan that Sarah and I are using for our personal life. Is that okay? Because we're family here, right? And if we're finding something that God's given us, we want to share it with you because that's what family does, right? All right. So this is our battle plan personally, but it's also our battle plan spiritually, corporately for the church, and we want to release it to you. This is about a revelation, what we think is key, not to say it's the only key, but it's one key. We don't know everything, right? There's all different strategies in the, in the Bible, but this is a key strategy the Lord has given us. We want to share this key with you. We, will, we feel that this will bless you. It'll bless your homes. It'll bless your families. It'll bless your life. But it'll bless us corporately. 
And we want to go into the scripture of Joshua, one of my favorite books of the Bible, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. It's okay if we don't have it up there. I'm going to read this. Uh, we did a, um, a series earlier this year about crossing over. And, uh, and so I shared part of this, but there's a new revelation here today that I want to share that's key. Uh, this is a part of the, the book of Joshua where Joshua has overtaken the leadership of Moses and has been anointed and appointed by God to actually now lead the Israelites into uh, the promised land over the river of Jordan. And he's successful in doing it. So it's key because the, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and now this man's anointed to take them into new territory. Everyone say new territory. And just before this part that I'm reading here in Joshua chapter 3, in the previous part in Joshua chapter 2, it talks about that God first caused them to spy out the land. And, uh, and there's previous sections of the Bible there where it's about spying out the land. We know that there were the different types of reports. But Joshua was one of the, 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 the two that brought back a positive report. And when it comes to spying out the land, we need to know that before what I'm about to read, that there was this step before where God said, before you actually go into the land, I'm going to cause you first to, to spy out the land to suss it out. And in New Testament principles, if we look at the Old Testament example of God taking some men and actually getting them to go physically into the land, to spy it out, to get a feel for the territory, what was there to be plundered, as in what was there to grab a hold of, but also what were the enemies there like? In New Testament life, as that we live in, in the Spirit, God wants us to spy out the land. Do you know that? God wants you to, to, to pray and get into the Spirit and get clarity around what's the vision, what's the blueprint, what's the territory before you actually launch into that new thing or you start to actually fight and go into that thing. He, he wants you to get an understanding of what's the blueprint, what is that territory, and what are the adversaries that you need to face? What are the things in your life that you need to overcome? What are the things, what are the mindsets that you need to overcome? And, and what is it that God's bringing you into to, to get an understanding for it so it fuels that passion on the inside of you, that sense of excitement. Without a vision, people perish. Another version says, without vision, people... Thank you. I was going to say don't. They cast off restraint, which means they kind of... They don't say no to things that they should be saying no to. They keep saying yes to things that they shouldn't be saying yes to because they haven't got a vision or reason for why they should be saying no. For example, right? Maybe you're drinking too much alcohol right now. right? You're drinking that or you're doing whatever and you're, you're escaping, right? It's about, do you have a vision for why you shouldn't be doing that? Come on now, think about it, right? I think this is a season where God is bringing us into a new springtime. He's spring cleaning our life. And I think there are some things that we've been saying yes to because we haven't got clarity of why we should be saying no to them. And they're becoming an escape or a distraction. And I'm just using that as an example. It may not be that. It may be something else. We've all got different weaknesses. And so the key here is we want to look at this battle plan. So in Joshua chapter 3, is everyone still with me? Actually, before Amy, can we just go back to battle plan and then we'll go to that next slide. Thank you so much. Okay, Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning. Everyone say early in the morning. Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, 
You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So what we're going to do is a little bit before this part where we know that there's a spying out of the land and then looking at this particular part of them transitioning into the, the, the things of God, we're going to look at what are the principles, what's the battle plan? Is everyone ready? Okay, now let's have a look at this next slide. So principle number one, you've got to spy out your land. Everyone say, spy out my land. You've got to get clarity around what is it that God, what's God taking you into? Okay, what is God, where does God want to take your family? Where does God want to take your workplace? Where does God want to take your finances? Where does God want to take you spiritually? Where does God want to take you ministerially in terms of what are you doing in church life? What, what is that new place? What is it, wh where does God want to take you in your authority, your identity in God, the things of your relationship with the Word of God? Get vision and blueprint. Can I tell you, there is anointing right now to get clarity of vision on this church. Not just corporately, but for you individually. Go and spy out your land. Spend time with the Lord. Say, God, I, I want to read your word. I want to spend time with you, Holy Spirit. And I want you to speak to me. Show me afresh. Now, we know that this principle is not new, but I'm saying right now, there's a new thing on it. Okay? God wants you to get vision and get a blueprint for what is the territory. God, God is opening a, a new door of effective work. There's something new. Even we're going to look later in, the, in Joshua that we just read that you're going to go to a place that you've never been before. Come on now. Who is awakening to this? God wants to take you into some place that you've never been before. There are some things that God wants to manifest in your life that you've never seen before. Is anyone here excited? You sure? Okay, good. So get vision and blueprint. So go and spy out the land. Number two. When we go into chapter three, the very first thing is Joshua woke up Early. Early. Why am I saying it with that weird voice? Because some of you on the inside are thinking, no. A couple of years ago, in fact, probably about five and a little bit years ago, I said to the Lord, Lord, I need to get more discipline. Every time I'm trying to wake up early and I keep sleeping in. Oh, God, please. Please help me to get up early. Oh, God, cause me. Do something that just makes it impossible for me not to get up early. And then we had a baby. <laughs> and I've never slept past 6 a.m. ever, ever. And I'm here whinging, but Sarah is way more amazing because she has way more broken sleep than me, which is changing. Amen. We're praying for Savannah's sleep. If you read, and I'm talking like even non-Christian examples, most successful people, most fruitful people, I'm not just talking financially, I'm talking successful people, right? People who are fruitful. They get up early. My dad, before he passed, he said to me, one thing he said in business, he said, Brad, if you really, really want to do well in life, you need to get up early. Get things done before the rest of the world wakes up. Get going. Wake up early. I know a lot of your university students are right at, really loving me right now. <laughs> Early in the morning. What's that? Looks, this world looks different. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out. Okay? 
So start living discipline and principle lives. So for us personally, uh, we're not perfect, but we're starting to go, okay, let's have a look at our spending. We need to stop spending so much. Let's get some discipline on our finances. Let's get discipline on our time. Let's get, dis- uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Brother Cody uh, is starting to do some PT sessions with me. My first one is on Monday morning. Pray for me. Okay? All right? He is shaped and sharped. Is that even a word? And I want some of that. I'm going to get chiseled. And it's going to hurt me really badly. Uh, Our new uh, eating... (laughs) I'm going to start crying. No, I'm not. Starts Monday morning, maybe Sunday night, depending on how Sarah feels. Um, We've got some leaders over today, and we've got all kind of fun baked goodies, and that's pretty much my last hurrah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Live disciplined and principled lives. So it's about, you know, look at your world. Uh, I, I think what's important is, uh, can I give you some wisdom? What I think is, is important is don't do this. Uh, unless, unless, obviously, the Lord says for you to do it, obviously. But be mindful of going, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to do, uh, you know, eat chocolate again. That's it, Right? Okay, I don't think that's necessarily wise. I think you should say something more like this. In this season, I'm going to fast chocolate for two months. And then I will ask of the Lord what I do next. Everyone say wisdom. Because I think sometimes we get passionate. Oh, zeal for the Lord. I'm never eating chocolate again. I'm going to be disciplined for the Lord. And then three weeks in, Oh, I'm a failure. Uh, uh. And then we start to feel ashamed and, you know, and then we start to think, I can't do this. I can't do this. Right? Okay. So don't set yourself up for failure. Right? Okay. So do it in blocks. Right? Do it in blocks. Blocks of chocolate. That's right. (laughs) So once you've decided, right, you've got a vision. You've got now a reason. Step one, you've got a reason for why you want to cast off restraint. Right, step one, get a bit. That gives you a reason for why you want to cast off restraint. Why you want to cast off restraint? Is that right? Yeah, cast off restraint. Yes, uh, yes. And so that means you've got a reason now to, to be more disciplined and start saying no to some things, and then start doing that. Start investigating your life and thinking, okay, getting up early, looking at your time, reading the word more, uh, worshiping, uh, just really immersing yourself in the things of God, but looking at your time, right? So, for example, uh, not that we've gone too nerdy with this, but instead of, like, just watching a movie, we'll go, okay, well, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's watch a documentary. Let's get a little bit educated here. Let's feed our brains. And then instead of watching a movie, we watch Financial Peace University. We've been watching that teaching series on on how to steward your finances with biblical principles. And, uh, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I'd much rather watch an action movie than watch Financial Peace University. Right? When I've had a big week and I'm tired and I just want to watch an action movie, right? Um, but then when Sarah says, well, she prefer to watch a romantic comedy, then I go, well, you know what? We really should be watching Financial Peace University. <laughs> uh, so then number three is get a hold of the presence and power of God. So if we have a look in here, it says after they started getting up early, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, which represents the presence of God, 
and the Levitical priest carrying it. So the Levitical priest represented the priesthood. Do you know in New Testament life, you're the priesthood? Come on. I'm not the priesthood. I'm a member of the priesthood. Yes, I'm a, I'm a shepherd in the kingdom of God, but you're all the priesthood just as much as I am. Did you know that? Right? We know that there's kings and priests and there's, there's, there's certain titles and of ministers, you know, the prophets, apostles, we get all that, but we're all the priesthood. Come on. We can, we can actually go into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. Right? We don't have to go through, so we can read the word of God and feed ourselves. Right? And so you are carriers of the presence of God because you can go into the throne room of God, spend time with Him, and the power of God be, gets activated within you. The presence of God gets on you, and you carry the presence and the power of God. So get a hold of the, be a priest. That's your identity. Go into the presence of God. Spend time in His Word. Spend time with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit, and it will get on you, and it will get in you, and then you will carry it. And then it says, this is the key, because this is the key. They, got the, they, 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 they said here, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. There's a key here. Get that on you, and then you, when you start to move, God is right on, on that moving with you. Then it says this, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. So when you get the presence of God on you and you get the revelation that you're called to carry the presence of God, then step four is to step out into that new thing. Step out into that new territory. And God will open the wide door of effective work and deal with our adversaries. It's interesting here. Uh, later on in the, the part of chapter 3, it talks about actually all of those different enemies, the Mittites and the Hezebites and all those people that were in the land, God actually dealt with them. And that was part of them first spying things out. And I believe that some of the adversaries are our own stuff. I believe some of the adversaries are our addictions. I believe some of our adversaries are our mindsets, our past values that we still allow them to define our identity. And when God says, get a hold of the presence and power of God and carry the presence of God, I think right there in step three, he's going to start to deal with those things that are on the inside of you, that are holding you back. And then when you step out into the new territory, and God will open the wide door of effective work and deal with our adversaries. Those adversaries are not just principalities and powers. There will be some things that will try and, 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 and come against you because you're stepping out. But God says, I will deal with those as long as you're carrying the presence of God, I'm with you. And number five, the promises begin to manifest and new territory begins to be possessed. Now, everyone eyeball me right now. Some of you, I'm, I'm guessing here, I'm making an assumption, I could be wrong, but some of you are looking at that going, well, that's nice in theory, Pastor Dad, but, you know, how's that all going to happen? Well, you're eyeballing someone who's this is not the first time I've used this battle plan. This battle plan is proven. I'm living testimony of this battle plan. I can tell you right now with confidence in God, this works. The key, I think, for a lot of you who have never actually done anything like this before is number four. 
a lot of you go, we'll step out into the new territory. What, what do you, what's the new territory? What do you mean? What is that? Well, the new territory will be these things. One, your identity is a territory. God wants you to go to a new place in your identity in God. It starts there. Everyone say identity. Number two is your authority that comes from your identity. Everyone say authority. Okay, so these are not just, you know, a new job or a newer bank account or a new piece of furniture. No, it starts on the inside, right? Your identity, your authority, your anointing, your confidence, your ability to speak to those things that would try and consume you, your ability to speak to addictions and say, you do not have a hold over me anymore. Now, can I tell you, it's not just saying to it once. I'm telling you right now. You're going to have to look at that thing and speak to it and keep repeatedly like a machine gun over a period of time. My first year as a Christian, for me to overcome addictions, is I had to fight. I had to speak to that thing. I had to speak to that mountain multiple times like a machine gun over a period of about six or seven months. Now, some things fell off very quickly, and some things took a long time, right? So I'm talking about you take a new territory. It starts with your identity, your authority, your prayer life, your relationship with the Word of God. It's, it, 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 it's about you take territory in, in your identity in God and the things of God. That's one. Two, it's also about what you're called to do. God wants to give you clarity around your giftings, around your anointings. Uh, your gifting and how you're wired, your personality, what you're passionate about, what you're into is a big thing that God's interested in. He wants you to get clarity around that. So maybe you felt confused with your university course. Maybe you felt frustrated with the workplace and you're feeling like you want a new position or you're, you're frustrated with a career. Or maybe you're a mom at home and you're just generally just overwhelmed. God's saying what you're putting your hand to, God wants to bring greater territory, greater fruitfulness. He might want to shift you, sort you out, move you on to something new. I'll open a new door for you. But God's saying He wants to bring a breakthrough in those areas. Also, relationships. Right? Your marriage is territory. Come on now. Your family is territory. Your household is territory. And so this is a battle plan that I want to encourage you to roll out. Is anyone here keen to do that? Cool. And then we're going to finish with this. I'm going to ask the musos to come. Just instrumental spine. Can we go to the next slide? I want to finish with this. How does this, being a warrior, how do, just, a, just a couple of instrumentals. I think the music team are kind of wondering how many people, just a couple spine. We're not going to sing a song or anything, just, just music in the background. That's cool. I want to finish with this. This battle plan is not just about you and your individual life but it's also about us as a church family. Everyone say family. And did you know that today pretty much is exactly six months from when I launched our vision for, for this year, right? Six months. And so we launched our vision. Let's have, uh, let's have a discussion about that. We said 24 to double, so our vision is over two years. I want to say this to you. The Lord is calling you to have zeal for His house. Don't make any mistake about it. The Lord wants you to have zeal for the house of God. Don't doubt that. Zeal. He wants you to fight for the house of God. 
wants you to care about it, think about it, pray for it. He wants you to believe in the house of God. He wants you to love the house of God. And so I feel that we need to revisit this and attach this warrior. I was driving this week. And the Lord said to me, so distinctly. See, even myself, I need to have a refreshment of the house of God. Even though I'm a pastor, you think, oh, well, you're always going to be zeal for the house of God. Well, no. No, actually not. I get bored. Sometimes I wake up on a Sunday because I haven't spent the best quality of time with the Lord that week. Pressures and bad choices managing my time. Wake up on a Sunday and go, oh, here we go again. Come on, let's be real. Is that all right? And the Lord said to me so clearly, Brad, you are called to build the house of God. And Brad, when you build my house, I will build your life. Has the Lord ever said that to you before? I believe He would have said it to a lot of people here. But I want to challenge you here today because the Lord's saying that again to you. Let's have a look at this next slide. I'm going to ask AV, you're going to have to, we'll have to work a little bit quickly here. This is our why. Everyone say why. Everyone say why. 90% of Australia is unchurched. Now, why is that important? On the census, it says that a greater percentage is Christian, but a good percentage of those actually aren't really what you'd call Christian Christian. They just tick the box Christian. But do you know that there's a percentage of Christians who are actually Christian, who are actually not planning the house of God? And that's because a lot of people allow their offense with the house of God to linger past the principle where God says, forgive, and then I shall forgive you. There is a connection that when you are planted in the house of God and you have zeal for the house of God, guess what? You have to be walking in forgiveness towards the house of God. Catch this now. You can't really have zeal for the house of God if you're offended with it. Who believes that? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else shall be added unto it. Forgive and I'll forgive you. Watch this. If you build my house, if you forgive the past offenses of any example of the house of God. So if you forgive the house, it means you come into restoration. So you should still be planted in a house, maybe not the previous house, but get planted in the house. And when the Lord said to me, when you build my house, I'll build your life. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think one of the biggest battles in the church today is actually the war of offense versus... And it's like a spiritual seesaw. Do you know why it's a battle that lingers? Because it's a battle of the heart. And I'm even speaking to my leaders here. You know privately there's times when it's war zone in your heart because you're committed. You're making sacrifices. 
but it's not always fun. Guess what? The Lord understands that. And so He wants to enrich you and empower you to stay on mission and to keep fueling your zeal. Whoever you are, wherever you are, the Lord wants you to be zealous because He wants more people planted in the things of God. Let's have a look at this next slide. And so this slide here, we live in a world where lives are broken, hearts are hurting, families are fighting, marriages are mundane, children are rejected, identities are confused, addictions are attacking, unforgiveness is stealing joy, debt is strangling, disappointment is deafening, people are lost. People are lost. They're hurting. Let's have a look at this next slide. So we're, we're, what problem are we solving? And there's three things here. Jesus and his church. It, first of all, Jesus is the answer. Who believes that? Who believes that his church is the answer as well? See, his church and Jesus, they are one. They are married together. And so what do we care about? Salvations, disciples, leaders. Next slide. I want to throw this question. Are you fighting for the house of God? Or are you just fighting for your own life? Watch this. Are you fighting for just your own Christianity? Or are you fighting for the house of God? Jesus and his church are one. Are you just fighting for the promises of God to manifest in your life? Or are you fighting for the promises of God to manifest in your church's life? And what I mean by our church, I talk about our family, our community. Why do we care? God wants more people in His kingdom. God wants His church to grow and expand and multiply. Now, I think a lot of times people have issues with this because they think the church is all about growing. Well, first of all, we've actually never talked about numbers before until the beginning of this year. We've been doing church for nine years. Everyone say amen to that. Secondly, this, God clearly says in His Scriptures, be faithful with a little and I'll give you more. God is all about wanting increase. If, if we don't recognize that the God we worship actually wants fruitfulness and increase, then we misunderstand the God that we worship. Do not, do not misunderstand it, church. When God says, be faithful with a little and then I will give you more, it declares to us that God wants increase. But watch this. He doesn't want increase just for increase's sake. He wants increase because it will cause us to be faithful. It will cause a character development on the inside of us because then we're becoming more like Him. Watch this. God wants us to be faithful with the people that come in to steward them, to see them saved, to be, see them disciple, to see them getting planted in. I hear God saying this. How focused are you on your responsibility to see people of God getting planted in the house of God. Musicians, are you just focused on your, your gift on, on stage or are you actually aware that God wants you to have your eyes open and, and, and understand there are people that come that He wants you to help them to get planted in the house of God. AV team, are you aware that God wants you to be opening up your spiritual eyes and see who's coming in here and that you have the gift of encouragement to see people come and get planted in the house of God. See them go into circles, see in teams. See, if we just come just for our own thing, if we're here just for our own gift, and I don't think we are, but if we sometimes swing that way, what's it all for? God wants His church to grow and expand and multiply. God wants us to continue building a strong home base here. Next line, 24 to double, we're six months in. And guess what? Since the beginning of this year, we're growing. 
We've actually been growing for the last 18 months. Everyone give God some praise. Next slide. Because I'm, I'm, I'm asking you today as we finish this series, do you know that you're called to fight for the house of God? Now, this is what I want to impart into you, and this is where we're going to finish. This is going to be very practical. So if you're expecting a big goosebumps kind of, you know, wave of the anointing to come and hit you, we're all going to fall over. Well, that might be another Sunday, but it's not right now. Right? Well, well, God can do anything. <laughs> Let me highlight this to you. I want to really simplify it. Everyone say simplify. Whoever you are, wherever you are in the life of this church, you are all called to make disciples. Go out in all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them in the ways of the kingdom. You know, we know there's a particular scripture around that, but let's have a look at this. I want you to focus on these three words. Win. Everyone say win. We're called to win people to God, but not just to God. Do you know that we're called to win people to the house of God? We're called to win people to the principles of God, the purposes of God. Who knows that sometimes people, their heart needs to be won back to the house of God. Come on. So everyone say win. Everyone say plant. We need to see people plant it and everyone say grow. So I want to say this to you. Every single person here, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you are called to take responsibility for these three things. You're all called to help to win. The Bible says that it takes wisdom to win souls. And when we say win souls, we're talking about what's a soul? It's the mind and it's the will and it's the emotions. We're not just talking about souls of unsaved people. We're also talking about souls of Christians. There are some souls of Christians who don't like the house of God. They're offended. Do you know that you're called to help the people who have a soul, they're a Christian, that their soul says, I'm offended with the house of God. You're called to win them back to the house of God because Jesus and the house of God are one. Come on, church. They're married together. We're called to plant people. There's stories in the Gospels where it says the seed gets thrown on different soil. Hard rocky soil, soil with weeds, and soil with fresh soil. There is good soil here. We have to get people planted because you know what? When people, uh, when people are attracted to the kingdom of God, they hear the gospel and they get saved. That doesn't mean it's it and they're done and they're definitely going to stay with Jesus the whole time. They need to get planted, church. They need to get planted into the family of God. They need to be encouraged like a baby, needs to be nurtured, fed milk, then getting onto solids and food and supported and hugged and encouraged and taught and trained and raised up. We need to catch the revelation that you and I are not just called to pray for ourselves. We're not just called to pray for our own goals. We're not just called to ask the name of Jesus for our own dreams. We're not just called to pray for our own sons and daughters. We're called to actually pray for the spiritual sons and daughters that God is saying, you know what, you're responsible for planting people in the house of God. It's not just Pastor Brad. It's not just Pastor Sarah. It's not just Jason Van Herp. It's all of us are called to plant people in the house of God. And when you catch that, you catch the cause of Christ. 
Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell is represented in that story where the soil of weeds and the soil of rock is to actually be uh, worries and fears and frustrations of people. Even if the word of God gets in, sometimes the devil tries to come around and cause that seed not to germinate and not to grow. But you and I are called to plant people in good soil where they can come and come and be a part of the worship and the word and be in circles and teams and fellowship. We've got to water the word. We've got to harvest the word in people so they grow strong and they get cemented in the things of God. Let's have a look at this next slide. Everyone say win. We're going to reach out. We're doing great things here, but we're going to reach out. We're called to invite people and we're called to connect. Now, there's some things that we do here. We do this prayer request card. We do the invite card. We have a great host team, but guess what? It's not just the Pathways team and it's not just the host team's responsibility to, to do this. It's everyone's responsibility. Come on now. Now with connecting, we have a team who actually call people, say, hey, we came to Forever House for the first time. We then invite them to a breakfast the next week. We're doing a lot of practical things as a team. But my challenge to you is, are you taking any responsibility? Do you have zeal for the house? Oh, I'm going to be really challenging right now. Are you ready? I believe my life is fruitful because I have real zeal for the house of God. I faithfully served my first church for 11 years. I never missed a Sunday. I was into it. I loved it. 11 years. You may ask me, did I ever get offended? You bet I did. Oh, yeah. You may ask me, did you ever disagree with the pastor's way of doing things? Oh, yeah. Were there some seasons which were less exciting than others? Oh, yeah. But every time, every time, I went back into the presence of God and I read the Word of God and I had one-on-one with God. He said to me this, you are called to build my house. Deal with the offense in your heart. It's your responsibility. Deal with it. Deal with it. And every time I dealt with it, sometimes it took longer than others. God blessed me for my faithfulness. When you're faithful with the little, then God will give you more. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you and his righteousness, righteousness, the covenant relationship with God, the promises of God, the fruitfulness of God, the harvest of God. If you're in a place where it's feeling a bit dry, 
this is an amazing opportunity for you because God is watching to see how will you respond. Because everyone on this planet that's a Christian that sometimes is involved in building the house of God will have a dry time, will have a time of offense. And it's your opportunity to prove your faithfulness to your God. Because even though Jesus is perfect, and let's face it, easy to love, his wife isn't. But if you get offended with his wife and you don't deal with that offense properly, who's going to take that issue up with you? And it's going to affect the covenant relationship. Is it going to affect your salvation? No, I'm not saying that. But is it going to affect you coming into the fullness of the covenant? Oh, yeah. Because his whole covenant relationship was built on not only how do you relate to him, but how do you relate to his wife? Number two, I'm going to finish up here real soon. Plants. Now, I want to share with you pathways. Our pathways team, they do this. We collect our prayer requests and our handshake cards. Our host team also connects. But we have a follow-up team who calls these people. We invite them to the breakfast. And at the breakfast, we connect with people. And we ask them this, what is the most important thing right now that you need from a local church? Because we want to hear to be a part and serve you and help you out. And we say, we know that sometimes there's a process where you're still working out, maybe this is the right fit for you, maybe it's not, and that's okay. We're not going to rush that, but we want to understand in this season, what can we do to best serve you? And we make a note of that. Sometimes people need prayer, sometimes need practical things, but we love on people and we connect with them. And then what we do is we let them know that what the next steps are. And I need you to be more aware about what those next steps are. Because if everyone here can be aware of that and take responsibility, but maybe in a cafe, when you're having lunch, that you can be that encourager. And you can encourage the person to take that next step rather than just waiting for the team to do it. Man, then we're going to be really united in the strategy that God's given us to get people planted. So Pathways is our Belong class which is a membership class which talks about our vision, but the spiritual gifts profile. We're getting such feedback about how people are being blessed going through this, and then they have a one-on-one, and they're getting insight to how they're wired, and then we can help them to plant into a, into a team and get involved in teams. Can I say this to you? If you're helping people to join the team that you're currently on, you're helping to grow the church. Statistics show that when people actually get planted into a team, they start serving. Not only do they start serving, but they start feeling part of the family because they, they're actually contributing. They're actually a part of the vision. Uh, so if you're on a team, when was the last time that you thought proactively, how can I help someone who's on the peripheral new, who seems like there's something here in this season, how can I help them to get plugged in to a team? Is there anyone around about you that may feel comfortable in being on the same team with you? Maybe talk to them about that, invite them, be inclusive. When it comes to a circle, maybe you go to a circle or you lead a circle. When was the last time that you invited someone that was quite new to come into the circle because people need belonging. People need a sense of connection. They need community. And this is not just something that we say because it's a strategy. It's a, it's a heartbreaking thing for humanity right now. They need connection and belonging. And so with Pathways, it's also about, uh, we then actually put them into Believe courses as well. In the Believe courses, we talk about water baptism. And so maybe there are some people who want to get water baptized. So water baptism as a pathway. The Believe course is a pathway going into uh, different teams as a pathway, circles as a pathway. 
It's very practical. But actually really critical. Last slide, and we're going to pray. I think sometimes... Sometimes I think we're too focused here, if I'm honest. Oh, what am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting from the house of God? How good was the worship today? How good was the worship today? How good was the food today? They said it was hot dogs, but it was pizza. Oh, no. I don't quite like the personality of the person at the circle. Don't know. Ooh. Pastor Brad preached too long today. Oh. <laughs> My pizza was cold. <laughs> oh, no. This is all the... We're called to do all this. I love it. Fellowshipping. How do we help people to grow? Fellowshipping, teaching them, equipping them, encouraging them. And that's teams and circles and courses and coming on a Sunday. But if we're only focused what we get from that and not who are we bringing into that, then we're actually not following God's command. Everyone say, ouch. Because we're all called to make disciples. Every one of us. In fact, our role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The ministry is making disciples, reaching the lost, making disciples, building the church. Let's stand. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. And I'm not going to sing anymore it kills the anointing. <laughs> Father, right now, upgrade us. Upgrade our thinking. Upgrade our focus. Upgrade that warrior mantle upon us, that we're called to have zeal for your house, that we're called to fight for your kingdom. Father, today, I thank you that you're releasing a revelation that as we build your house, then you will build our life. That this is a kingdom partnership with you, God. And Lord, today, we declare we have zeal for your house. We love you, Lord. And Lord, we declare that this is a brand new season of growth upon this house and this family. In Jesus' mighty name.